If I'd have done that at 24 years old uh, and said, I'm going to do all these, and these are all the steps necessary to get there, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been daunting for me. And I thought this through and I thought about it a lot. All the different components to make that big dream happen might have been too much for me. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is all about creativity and hustle happening in and around the great state of Montana. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm super excited about this interview because it was such fun, and it came about through such a random sequence of events. I sat down with Rob Angel, the creator of Pictionary. Through a random sequence of events that we get into in the beginning part of the interview, this interview came about super quickly, and it was just a great opportunity for us, for us here at the podcast, to jump on uh, an opportunity to to sit down with, with a really interesting guy who's had tremendous success and kind of changed the whole face of board games in a way. I mean, I think back to when Pictionary came out. You know, I was I was fairly young. It was the mid '80s. And to that point, I mean, the alternatives were like Parcheesi and Yahtzee and Backgammon and all these wacky games with weird boards and shapes and dice. And um, then Pictionary comes along, just changes the, uh, for lack of a better word, like changes the whole game, right? They, um, these guys came up with this, this game that made you do stuff, cool stuff. And all of a sudden there was this social dynamic and... Rob gets into the origin story of that, and it was super fun. And he also talks about uh, a couple other things that that uh, you should pay attention to. One is is trusting the process. We have a bit of an exchange about that, um, whether it's a good process or a bad process, and and just the nature of um, having faith that your work will end in in a, in a um, some sort of desirable destination. So interesting to hear about that. It was also interesting. We have his kids involved in the podcast episode, Sam and Ben, and you'll hear about their relationships to Missoula, to the University of Montana, and kind of the origins of Rob's connection to this institution as well. Anyway, super fun. Rob is a dynamic guy. He's done some amazing things, both with the Pictionary story, but also since in his philanthropic work and his dedication to, to building community in his various areas. You know, one thing, if you've been a regular listener to A New Angle, you know this podcast focuses on creativity and hustle. And those two attributes come through in spades with Rob. Um, And he needed both of those to get it done with Pictionary. And it has paid off in a big way, both for him and his family, but society at large. I think we're a better place through these, these fun games that he created. Anyway, I'll turn it over to Rob Angel. So we're here today with Rob Angel. Rob, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And I have to say that your children are also here in the studio. <laughs> Sam and Ben. How you doing? Sam, you, you just graduated last spring from University of Montana. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And Ben, you're currently enrolled in the Montana Coding School, right? Yes, I am. Okay, excellent. So these guys were a little reticent to come on the pod, but uh, they're going to sit here and, and, and heckle me and Rob as we, as we break into uh, this. As they do. This thing came together rather quickly. You know, we reached out to you to see what your interest in interest might be in coming on the podcast yesterday. <laughs> said, you know, maybe I'll be in Seattle sometime for a visit and we could sit down or get on the phone. And you said, how about tomorrow? I'm getting on a plane to visit my kids. I just booked the trip 10 minutes ago. I literally just booked the trip, randomly wanted to come see Sam and Ben just to say hi. And then 10 minutes later, you called. Yeah. Perfect. And, and so, and 
You guys got off the plane probably 30 minutes ago, or you got off the plane, Rob, to come visit your kids, and so you're generously donating a few minutes of your time um, to talk to us. So thank you for doing that. Uh, Thank you. It's my pleasure. I love doing it. So, Rob, you are famous to the world as the creator of Pictionary. Yes, I am. The iconic game, you released that in the 1980s, and, I mean, tremendous success. Can you just tell us the origin story of, of Pictionary? Yeah, I was uh, actually graduated from Western uh, Washington up in Bellingham, moved back to Spokane where I grew up with, moved in with three buddies. I was waiting tables at the time. I put myself through uh, college waiting tables. It's kind of my go-to. And we all get home late at night, and we just start sketching words out of the dictionary. Sure. And we'd stay up all night playing this silly game. I mean, it was uh, have a beer, sketch a word, and there was no rules, no game, no board, no anything. And I would say at the time, it was just an activity. Mm-hmm. And I would say, and this would make a great board game. Well, after a couple more beers, I seemed to be the only one that remembered in the morning <laughs> that it would. And uh, that was the origin. And I started working on it uh, shortly thereafter. I mean, what does that even look like? Like, I, I, I know people have written books. I know people have started businesses. But mm. yeah, I wouldn't even know where to begin with, with thinking of a game and, and trying to make that come to life. Well, that, that neither did I yeah. at all. Uh, there's no manual, as we say at the time. There's no internet. You can't, you know, it's 1982. Sure. Uh, so there was no way for me to know what to do. But I knew instinctively the only thing people would pay for were the words. Because we were using a dictionary and things that were coming out of our heads. Mm-hmm. So that was my first step. I go, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make the great word list. And as I call it, my low-hanging fruit, that was my first step. It okay. didn't cost me you know, $2.85 for a dictionary, yep. a piece of paper, and a pencil, and time. And nobody owns the words. I mean, you can just grab whatever you want. No, no. Well, I, oh. I copyrighted the rules in the game, so yeah, <laughs> they are mine. But yeah, no, I literally took that first step. And that's always, you know, people will think about what their end goal is. You know, I want to sell a billion games and make this big business. If I'd have done that at 24 years old uh, and said, I'm going to do all these, and these are all the steps necessary to get there, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been daunting for me. And I've I've thought this through and I've thought about it a lot. All the different components to make that big dream happen might have been too much for me. And so I just took it in little chunks that worked for me. And the first one was wordless. And did you have like a an end game in mind, or you know, like did you milestone out I- intermediate steps in the process, or was it just sort of figure out one thing and move on to the next? And I'm I'm I'm, I'm chuckling because you know I have a business degree, yeah, and exactly. everybody talks about you know you got to have this. Look at me, I'm just kind of going, land, you know, I'm all amped up. You know, you got to have these goals and you, you know, yep. and go towards them. It's absolutely positively true. I mean, I'm not poo pooing that at all. Sure, but worked for me. Um, is Rob's getting a little coaching? Yeah, my Sam. daughter's sending me notes here. Uh, oh my goodness! I don't know. Later. So <laughs> sorry for the digression, folks. But Inside nah, jokes. This is good. Yeah, it's good. This is how me and the kids operate. We're always doing this, so it's all good. Um, so no, it was it was uh, manageable a manageable process. Okay. For me. Okay. Um, and my partners. So we didn't know what we were doing. So we took one step at a time. So instead of. Uh, um, doing the word list, and then going, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have this big business. I still, our next step was putting together the 1,000 games that we were going to produce in my apartment. Okay. That was the next step. Yep, yep. And you take a step and a step and a step, and eventually, once we got the game done, physically put together, at that point, then, you you know, we started thinking bigger and grander and as a brand as opposed to a product. 
and all those those uh, business uh, processes come into play. Yeah, and at but, that point, you've you've sold a few, right? So yeah. you, you got a sense that there's a market appetite for this thing. People people are people dig it. Yeah, it was the it was a nerve wracking moment that when we had the uh, the launch, right? So we, yeah. we put the first thousand games together in my apartment, nine different companies wow. supplying us with parts. So it's not again I keep bringing up not the internet, but we we had to go to the phone book for boxes. Yeah, and then we had to go find dice. Then we had to go find cubes. Then we had to go find pencils. Nine different com- uh, companies supplying with parts, all sent to my apartment. And I couldn't go to the bathroom without stepping on something. So it sounds romantic. It was a pain in the foot. I'm sure. Uh, and, so, and so, yeah, so we put those games together uh, in my apartment. Uh, and then we had to go sell them. Yeah. Uh, I had to go sell them. And so I was the salesman. So I like, I like the creative side. Okay. Uh, I like marketing, selling. Uh, creating, you know, branding, this kind of stuff. I, I'm, I will admit, and I admit all the time, I'm not a great businessman, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to run a business. I can, but it's not my forte. The creation is your. I your like game. the I like the creative side. I'm right brain, and so I got um, I, I collected, as I call them, two partners: graphic artist Gary Everson uh-huh. uh, and Terry Langston, a business partner, who both were brilliant for what I needed. I mean, I said, you know, even though I started it, without me, it doesn't get started. But without them, I'm not sitting here. Sure. It was the perfect team. Yeah. Perfect and how did, were these guys uh, waiting tables with you? Or how, <laughs> how did you know these guys? Well, weirdly, one of them was. Okay. I mean, one of them just, Gary Everson was a, a waiter with me. And I did a prototype to play test to begin with. And I it was crap. Okay. Uh, you, you said I could say, you know, whatever I want. Uh, but it was crap. And so I needed a graphic artist to make it look pretty. Sure. And so Gary was a sure. restaurant. He came on board. And then I asked um, uh, a friend of mine, Walt, to join as, as the business side, to run the business. Yeah. He said no. So that was my first, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about this. Uh, we'll talk about it later. I'm writing a book. So everything is fresh. Sure. That was my first big no. And so this is like early on in the process. Yeah. I'm, I'm like. The hell do I do now? Well, what's next? Yeah. What's next? I mean, I got to find somebody. So totally. it wasn't like okay. I was like, I wasn't panicked. I knew something would happen, but it was like I got to work this out. And so I kept looking, and he was he was my first choice. Okay. He said no, but he had a play test for me. And a couple of weeks later, I met one of his mutual friends, Terry Langston. And Terry and I hit it off. We met a couple of weeks later, and I turns out you know got fired from his job. Blah blah blah. Timing but was the right. Timing was. Perfect for us to meet, yeah. and he turned into be the best partner I possibly could have had. Fantastic! Yeah, hey, can oh, we yeah. can we circle back to a point? Uh, there was a question I missed, and and you brought it up about the word list. Hmm? So, what was the thought process of choosing the words? Like, what what determined if a word was a good word for the game yeah. or not? That We're just laughing at some other bat. Like, how would you draw purple? Like, <laughs> like some of the color ones to me were always the really funny ones. Like, how do you? come up with the idea, okay, let's start drawing colors. How do you draw a color without writing letters, characters, or numbers to describe it? I don't know. I don't know, Ben. How would you? I don't know. I'm not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither am I. I think that's been pointed out many, many times. Um, so the, the word list was always and has been key to the game. Yeah. Right? The simplicity of it is is also... The, the inclusive nature, but the word list was key. 
Mm-hmm. And so I went uh, with this $2.85 dictionary, and I read page one, word one. And if the word, it had to have two, two criteria. One, I didn't know what the word was. I'm a, you know, relatively smart guy, but not, you know, whatever. So I figured if I know what the word was, then the average person would. Sure. If I didn't know what it was, if I had to look at the meaning, forget it. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, I thought so. And then the second was it had to create a picture in my mind. Now, it doesn't, you know, I'll use Ben's example. Although purple, purple creates a picture, it's, it's but perfect. Yeah, how do you draw it? A, I, I've, a few times when I've played, I've actually had to draw that, and I kind of just sat there and just didn't do anything because I didn't know how to. <laughs> I spent the whole time trying to figure out how to think about drawing it, and yep. no one in the entire group guest for anyone you know that could make this whole interview worthwhile now knowing that i stumped my son on work this is absolutely perfect <laughs> my work is done i'm going home oh poor boy frustrating. <laughs> i feel bad okay i'm over it uh the second one just as ben said it was it doesn't matter if i could draw it or not but i could visualize purple sure. i yeah, wrote yeah. it down and That's i eventually start. went up to the five thousand words five thousand i just i still have some of those pads that i wrote cool. Yeah. 19, we're talking 1984. Yeah. So 24, 34 years later, mm-hmm. I guess. So I still have those pads. Well, you said you read the dictionary. I read the dictionary, page one, word one, wow. all the way through. A dictionary, not that there's one dictionary. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, th- and that's the other thing. There's new words being created all the time. Mouse pad didn't exist then. Mm-hmm. Right? Internet as a word didn't exist then. Selfie didn't Selfie exist Selfie didn't then. exist then. So, yes. How the heck would you draw internet? <laughs> oh, like the you can try to do like the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi. Oh, box. here he goes. Rob's got the paper and pen out. He's... Oh, I'm I'm horrible. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> you don't have to. I'm not going to try. Kind of like so, yeah. like bars. Okay, so back to kind of the process. You've got your kind of core team together. Two guys mm-hmm. helping you out. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what next? You've made a thousand games. Now you got to go sell them. Now I got to sell. I have to go sell them, and and that was my 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 job. So my first sales appointment was University of Washington Bookstore. Okay, I know it well. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so uh, it, the semi-infamous story of my life, never made a sales call before, waited mm-hmm. tables forever. And I go, I get there, it's 80 degrees, May 30th, 1985, I remember the day. Okay. And I look in the mirror, I'm sweating, and I go, okay, I've got this, and I'm, I'm going, <laughs> I've got my speech, and I walk to the front door, and I realize I don't have my sample with me. Or my order for. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot is not what came out of my mouth. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I turned around and went back to the car. And as you can imagine, all four doors were locked. Can't and the it. car was still running. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I was so nervous, I didn't even turn off the car. Wow. Yeah. So I'm beating so on the door. So you are, like, hugely emotionally invested in this, it seems. <laughs> Physically and emotionally, because I'm beating on the door at this point. And, I mean, I got to... Uh, I read one thing about you, your uncle gave you a loan to get this done because yep. you can't be financing a thousand games uh, on a waiter's staff on no. a waiter's salary, right? So, no. So you're indebted to family. You're out there. Uh, it, this is this is no longer just putting. Now we've re, we talked earlier. We've got a game now. Now yeah. we've got a game company. Sure. We're no longer just okay. Let's put together a game. So yeah, our our paying back our investor, making his investment pay off. Uh, looking broader or past sure. just the physical game. And you've got two or more other people yeah. whose who's sort of future is staked to this, too. Absolutely. That was okay, terrifying. So the car's running. Car's running. What, what do you do? Finally the, door, finally, the back door opens, but I'm still so nervous, right? It was an old old four-door with the bench seat. Yeah. So instead of just 
reaching around and opening, unlocking the front door. I literally climbed over the front seat to get into the seat to get my sample. And I'm like, no, and I'm stumbling out of the car. I've got this sample. And I'm going, this is not going well. But took a couple of deep breaths, walked in, and sold six games. Right on. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Really exciting. Not pretty exciting. It was really exciting. Absolutely. I mean, it was like, it was that moment when... All the validation of the hard work had paid off because up until that point, we knew we had a good game. Mm-hmm. We knew it was fun. We knew people would love it, but we had no idea if somebody would pay for it. Sure, yeah, yeah. And that was completely and totally, even though I was a salesman, out of our control. And that was the terrifying part. Even though I was confident and I loved the game and my team and my partners, and didn't matter. Right. I had to convince somebody else to follow my dream and my vision at that point. And that was the start of the whole thing. Sure. There's that famous Peter Drucker quote, the purpose of a business is to create a customer. Yeah. Right? And, and like yeah. You, you face that reality. you got to get somebody to fork over their, their time, money, and effort in exchange for what you're selling. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it sounds really simple. Right. But it's not. People lose sight of that all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It, it is simple, but it's hard to do. You've got to focus on what's going to make your business go, what's going to make you the money, what's going to do it, not just in your own little bubble. And once you get that first customer, then you need two. Yeah. And you need need four. And you need the existing customers to order more. So how's that? How do you start to build momentum? That that is what you just said is the key to, well, to Pictionary and to business is you can sell anything to anybody wants, even though I was just said how nervous I was. I was. But if I don't get it off the shelf and people don't like it, they're not going to reorder. Yeah. That store is not going to reorder. That is the lifeblood of the game business. Mm-hmm. And that basically is proving that people are playing it, liking it, and buying it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we, we would we – would, we had a unique selling approach. I figured if you sold anything, you might as well be selling Pictionary. I went to a real estate company. And I said, you know, you know, when somebody goes looks at one of your houses, they might as well have family values. You might as well have a Pictionary game on the counter. I would go to knick-knack stores, department stores, bookstores. I didn't care what you sold. I went to a hardware store once sure. trying to sell them. They, they took six. What do they have to lose? Um, they call it now disruption or disruption. Yeah. We call it alternative distribution. Before Pictionary, they weren't selling at Barnes & Nobles. We started that with Nordstrom's, with all the department stores and the bookstores, Walden Books really? back in the day. We were the first ones to sell to those guys and get out of the normal channels of, uh, of, of distribution. Well, and a lot of those normal channels would probably be places where you'd get more no's. Or oh, yeah. Or less willing to take a chance, whereas somebody like a bookstore, hey, why not? This sort of fits. Uh, actually, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, I would agree. I'd agree with you. I mean, uh, intellectually, but our, I, I wound up going to Nordstrom's, right? They, yeah. they didn't have a game department. All they sold was clothes and accessories. So I wound up through a friend, my brother's friend, going to Nordstrom's, uh, to the accessories department. And I started telling her about the fun of the game and how everybody would love it and we're selling here and selling there. She goes, nah, we don't sell games. It's not, we're not, not doing it. Thing. And I go, okay, um, how about, now I'm just kind of making it up as I go. Uh, how about I do demonstrations for you? I'll stand at the bottom of an escalator, which I wound up doing for hours, <laughs> days on end. And she goes, well, close, but no. I said, I'll tell everybody in your department about Pictionary so they'll sell more games and make you more money. That resonated with mm. her. That's what got her attention. 
So she bought six, excuse me, 12 games for the six stores she repped. Uh, long story, not worth going into, but they absolutely made us what we are. Really? They, they accelerated the conversation. I would literally uh, start at the bottom of the escalator at Nordstrom's at 930 in the mall when they started, excuse me, at the downtown store until about 2. And I would stand there with my table getting people to buy one, two, three games in the six hours. Yeah. And I'd grab a quick lunch, go to Frederick & Nelson, another department store. Uh-huh. Work for three more hours of demonstrations, quick dinner. Then I'd go to Capitol Hill and find a knickknack store and sell there for twelve or mm-hmm. another three hours. Then I'd have to go home and fill orders and do all the rest of it. Yeah, and are you still making the games out of your apartment? Are you still assembling them there? <laughs> Fortunately, at this point, we'd ordered 1,000 games and, uh, from another – excuse me, 10,000 games from a manufacturer who made it okay. significantly easier for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. That would have killed us. So things are coming together. At some point, you get – I mean, eventually, it's its owned by Mattel, right? They bought us in 2001. So 2001. We, we, owned it for, we owned it for 17 years. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we licensed. But, yeah, it was, it was quite a ride. I think so. <laughs> they, were, they were a little young at the end of that, so Sam and Ben. So you achieved, I mean, a ton of hustle, creativity, and hard work. But you achieved amazing success at a pretty young age. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, I was. I was. By the time I was thirty, I was. Yeah. At the big house in the water. And so that's enabled a lot of philanthropic work. So I read one of the, the things you've worked on is this Inspire Youth project. Yeah. 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 Can, actually. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? It was uh, an organization that uh, Gary, uh, my business partner, he passed of AIDS in 1995. Okay. Okay. And uh, as his executor. Uh, one of his organizations that he gave to was called Rise and Shine, Kids mm-hmm. and Teens Affected, not Infected, but Affected uh, by uh, HIV. Got so it. a parent and sibling, but they had no place to go. You could go to school and say, mom's got cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it, back then, we're talking 1995, 96, yeah. you couldn't yeah. do that. You couldn't say HIV. Uh, so they, it gave the it, advocacy, gave these pl- kids a place to be kids, summer camp, um, place without stigma, zero stigma, yeah. you know, group mentality of, you yeah. know, you're no different than me. Um, and then one of my, um, uh, I'll say proud moments is my children got to know some of the kids and went in to, uh, to summer camp. And for two years, they had their own Pictionary tournament to raise money and they organized the whole thing. Awesome. I mean, organ- and, and sent kids to camp for two years. I mean, it was just fabulous. I was really, I'm, they're sitting here looking at me. But, yeah, no, I was I exceptional. It's really one of my proudest moments. I mean, you guys didn't have to do that. But as soon as you got back from camp, you're going, oh, yeah, we do. This is like, okay, what do we do? And then we just worked it out, and you worked it out. So, no, I'm always always one of my proudest moments. Any lessons learned from that process, Sam or Ben? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it taught us a lot, I guess, about how to give back to the world. I mean, Ben and I were really fortunate growing up. And we're really thankful for that. And I yeah. think we just wanted to do our part in being able to give to, to what people, or give to people that couldn't give to them. No, no, no. I don't want to say it that way. We felt fortunate enough to be able to be a part of making a difference in other people's lives. And I think that was really rewarding. Yeah. What no, she it, said. She said it quite well, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, and that's also one of the, hopefully, and I think I know the answer is yes, one of the life lessons I've taught them is that you have to give back. And it's not just money, mm-hmm. but there's time, there's energy, there's effort. It doesn't, it's not just money, 
but that's what they did. So, no, I hope it's a great lesson. It did, and it taught us a lot, too, not just from, like, the giving back standpoint, because that is the most important part of it, but also, like, it... It taught us how to conduct ourselves well in, like, professional situations oh, okay. at such a young age. Like, Dad, he didn't make these calls for us to get sponsors or donators or anything like that. Like, we had to call and talk to these people about it yep. when we were 10 or 11. I don't even something know. Like that. Something yeah. like that. That young. Wow. Um, well done. Yeah. And so I think that was a really rewarding um, opportunity in itself to be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of different moving parts of that that all kind of worked really well together and I just really appreciated that experience. Yeah, I mean, I can see some parallels here with your experience with Pictionary, too. I mean, you had to kind of hustle to make this thing happen from scratch. And so, you know, instilling that in, in lesson with your kids seems really powerful. Yeah, very, yeah. Very yeah. Okay, so we covered Inspire Youth Project. Are there any other big kind of philanthropic organizations that are that are meaningful to you? Uh, yeah, but there's, there's one uh that's called Unstoppable Foundation. Okay. Uh, they're organizing or they're building entrepreneurial uh, classrooms down in Africa. Down in? In, in Africa, in Over. Kenya. Over. You know, looking at a map, you think I would know. Uh, yeah, in Kenya, a buddy of mine is uh, the president. It's called Unstoppable Foundation. Okay. Uh, and we're helping to do some fundraising for that. It's just giving back. But what they do is not just help the kids. It's kind of like the same parallel with Rise and Shine. It's holistic. And so when these kids learn the, the business skills, their job is to pay that forward. Sure. Not just, you know, give a, give a person a fish and a meal. That's okay. Yep. You've got to give them the fishing pole. You've got to teach them how to fish. And that's what they're doing. So they will pass this, uh, these skills on to others and just help that region of the world. Yeah, and so do you have a, a particular connection to that region of the world, or is it you know somebody you knew that was doing this, or like what what was the genesis uh, of that connection? I went. It's a, it was a different organization, uh, but I'm committed to these guys. Uh, I funded a documentary on the Rwanda Film Festival. Oh, okay. Uh, about seven seven years ago. Sure. Uh, it was amazing, amazing <laughs> experience. But while I was there, ten years ago. Thanks, I was in middle school. <laughs> wow. Time flies. Yeah. Uh, and so I uh, uh, spent another couple of weeks through, um, it was Rwanda, uh, obviously, and I spent a couple of weeks going into the backcountry and seeing uh, the medical supplies and seeing what they yeah. were, uh, the challenges. The HIV was huge. And I met a couple of uh, Rwandan doctors who were trying to save the world. So I remain and was heavily involved with them for quite a while. And, you know, it's it's... Everybody does their part. You know, everybody that I know gives back in some way. Yeah. And I appreciate that more than, you know, more than anything. For sure. And so you've also, you mentioned you, you funded this film project. You've also mm-hmm. funded another or been involved in another number of other film projects, right? So what? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry for laughing, but, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like my, my track record, you know, let's be honest, you know, is not that great. That's- but super stellar. not super stellar, as Ben said. <laughs> but it, as the buddy says, it's access. It's it's the fun factor. You know, it's helping. Some they're all smaller films. Sure, yeah. Where a small guy wants to give. You know, the budgets are tiny, and so for me to give a small amount to get them started. In fact, I, I that's huge. Invested in a movie three years ago. I the seed funding for that. They're filming it now. They wow. filmed it this week. I was in that Oklahoma. Seems, that seems slow. Um, <laughs> but they got it done. It did. Right? So it is slow. That's why I say my track record may not be stellar, 
but I enjoy the process. I enjoy being in that business. And supporting projects of passion. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Excellent. So that kind of is probably a good way to enter into a, a passion project that you brought up as we started this conversation. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the book project you're working on. I, <laughs> also, also the, kids are gonna, the kids are looking at me like, really, Dad? <laughs> uh, I've been working on this book for a very long time. Okay. Um, uh, my life has changed dramatically since I started. Uh, but it's called it's called Game Changer. And sure. it's my experience with Pictionary, you know, the how here's what we did, here's how we did it, my thought process. Uh, and and it's kind of morphing into what I learned and what I wanna pass along, not just the you know, if you follow my model of how to create a business, you'll be successful. I mean that's not who I am. But there's a lot of a lot of uh, you know, spirituality message in there, a lot of things that will be in there uh, that will that will hopefully resonate. You know, with people, and the one thing we talked about is trust the process. Yeah, trust the process. That's the hardest one um, to to articulate, but it was the most pronounced one. Now that I'm looking back, so when you when you write a book and you go through all this process, you all the things that that made you who you are, you really have to start noticing them because yeah. I never did. Yeah, up until I started writing this, it was just I invented a game. Really was that's really all I thought about, um, but we loved the process of of inventing, of creating, of marketing, of all of it, and that was fabulous. So when you say trust the process, how do you know that you have a good process? <laughs> there are good processes and bad ones, right? How no, do you, how do you know? no, no, they're no, they're okay. not good and bad. There are just processes. Okay. If you look at if you look at it as this is a bad process, then you're going to attach everything you do thinking it's a bad process mm. instead of just uh, just letting it happen. Even by, by own it. Own it. Exactly, Sam. It's the other way around. Even if you attract something and say, this is a positive process, well, if something goes wrong, then all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, I'm gonna, not going to trust the process anymore. So just, okay. so just know that whatever your path you're on, whatever you're doing, I mean, you have to do the work. This isn't like sit back and hope. But, you know, the process... You know, you'll, you'll get to where you're supposed to be. And if you can relax as you're going along, which is so much harder said than done. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not sitting here saying I did it when it was going on. I threw my share of tantrums and share of doubts and, oh, my gosh, this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. So, yeah, I'm not sitting here saying that it was easy and simple. But looking back, we trusted the universe in the process. Yeah, and I think what you're getting at, too, is there's something in the struggle Right. Yeah. There's there's you know, I, I I sense this in myself, I sense it a lot with students and with athletes I've been involved with. Like there's 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 kind of an impatience. There's a desire to be at the end state rather than appreciating the steps and the struggle that go into reaching that end state. I mean it's kinda of like it's yeah. not the destination, it's the journey, sort of pithy but statement, it, but it's totally pithy but true. Yeah. I mean it's you, you articulate actually better than I did. I'm gonna steal that by Okay. Well, you just said that. <laughs> uh, but no, it's exactly what it was. I mean, you know, if it was easy, you wouldn't appreciate it when you got there. Of course. Of course. And so it sounds cliche and so simple, but it's true. It's true. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the journey is the, is the fun part, even when it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excruciating. Excruciating. Oh, man. I mean, I, I, we, we, uh, the first thousand games that we did, um, there was 500 cards per game, and there were 
a thousand games. So that was five, half a million game cards. Yeah. They're supposed to come from the printer, 500 of card one, or excuse me, uh, 500 in one pack. We put them in the game and be on with it. Then two, then sure. three. Well, they came a thousand cards high of one, a thousand cards. So we had to hand collate. Oh, man. A half million games card in six days. And as my. On the floor of your apartment. On the floor of my. We moved everything I owned into the bedroom, <laughs> which tells you I didn't own anything, really. Put eight foot tables around, went to Nordstrom's. Before we sold to Nordstrom's, yep. got shoe boxes and hand collated half a million game cards. And it was, it was uh, the only tantrum that I threw. When the guy calls me up, we'd already sent the invitations for the launch. The guy calls me up and he goes, I got your bid. What are you talking about? He goes, oh, it's going to be another three weeks and twice as much money. And I go, F. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's no all F, I could do no at this point. way, right? And I literally threw the phone across the room. It was, I, was, I was stomping. I was as frustrated, as mad as I can remember, maybe by life. But that process, during that process, sure. the world came to an end. It didn't. But at that moment, oh, go home, call it a life. Call it a business. Sure. But, but part of the process. Part of the process, yeah. And I got a great story out of it. Yeah. We survived. There you go. So other kernels of wisdom that maybe we can expect in this, in this upcoming book release. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's, we've talked about uh, trust, trust the process. But uh, what, what I say is people say you got to found, you know, Ben's sitting here. Ben had a hand in this, actually. Yes. Okay. He, he has no idea what I'm about <laughs> to say, but it's Ben had a hand in this. That people say follow your passion. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Right? So I was telling this to, to my son, telling this to Ben. And I go, follow your dreams. And that's what people always tell people to do. And Ben says, well, he goes, Dad, how many, how many uh, days in a row do you have the same dream? Hmm. I kind of sitting there. I'm going, well, that's kind of important, the whole process. So I riffed on that, and I, we talked about it. And so, one, yes, you've got to have passion for what you're doing. But that's just lighting the candle. Yeah. You, you lose passion. When I'm doing those demonstrations at the bottom of the escalator, I wanted to quit. There was mm-hmm. just, I was tired. I was exhausted. I didn't want to get up. But I had love for what I was doing, right? So my passion turned to love. And for my partners, for my business, for the potential, for Pictionary, for all of us, and that's what kept me going. So, so yes, passion is a great way to start. There also has to be a business there. You can't just have passion about something. There yeah. has to be a path to profitability. You know, just because you love, I'm looking around your office, oh, that's, oh those aren't beer cans, sorry. They running. Okay, you, yeah, you're, yeah. you're running. Okay, you're passionate about running. Well, so can you make a business out of it? So you got to make mm-hmm. sure it's not just a passion, but it is if, if it, and it could be a passion about starting a nonprofit. We're not talking about only financial gain. So you have to be passionate, but that does fade in relationships and business and sure. everything. But when that turns to love, is what I'd say, when you love what you're doing, it'll carry you through everything else. Fantastic advice. I thank I thank Ben for that. Yeah. Celebrate the small victories. That's something I've definitely learned from coding. Is celebrate the small victories more pretty often. Scooting forward, um, I'll be looking at some code for hours, trying to get it to work, and it could be as simple as trying to make it this button works when I click it or something. Yeah. And after several hours of finally getting it to work, and it will start to actually to run how I want it to is a very gratifying feeling. Even though it's a simple, small little thing, it's a good feeling, though, to just celebrate the small victories. Beautiful. No doubt about that. I mean, I, Beautiful. 
So that, that reminds me of my experience as a graduate student. I was working on my dissertation, and it's just a period of time where you, you're trying to create some new piece of research, and you, you, I just felt stupid like every day. Like I wasn't going to get it. I couldn't figure it out. And I sort of picked up this interest in yard work at the time. <laughs> Just because I, I could go out and mow the lawn and feel like I had gotten something done. Now, I'm not trying to equate mowing the lawn to having a breakthrough with code, but it's it's, it's a win. Well, it's it's it a is. win. It's still a win. It's like, hey, I achieved something. I finished something. It's yeah. done, and now I can move on to the next thing. And, and again, it's part of the process. Part of the process. That was, yeah. you know, for me, that was exactly. It was the word list. Yeah. It was. It, that was my first victory. My first step led to the next, led to the next. And that's where... I said earlier, and you know, to, to talk about what Ben said, if I'd have thought about all the steps necessary to get to the end game, probably wouldn't be sitting here. But exactly as Ben said, get that first victory. Get your domain name. Yeah. For eight bucks or six bucks on GoDaddy. That's Good your stuff. first victory. I always say that. It's like. You have so many yeah, domain names. You do. You I, it's, <laughs> been, uh, it's a bit of a hobby. Uh, when, okay. When I, I've got GoDaddy on speed dial. And so it's time. I've got like hundreds. Most of them are idiotic. Let's be honest. I can't even tell you half of the goofy ones. But no, if I'm thinking of something and have a conversation, it just resonates. I'll just go and go, Daddy, and get the domain. And Might as well. Why not? I got my first victory. May not have a business, but I have a victory. I sure. remember our last trip. You did it like mid-conversation that we were talking. And all of a sudden I said something or you said something like, I need that website. And you just immediately <laughs> stopped the conversation and looked up and, and bought it right there and there. Yeah. My my uh, expiring domain names are quite a few. But it's all, it's all good. It's all fun. Well, maybe they're an investment, too. Oh, totally. Somebody comes up with the idea later and has to That's come right. to you to buy the domain. Exactly. Nice. So, uh, you know, you've been super generous with your time coming here straight from the <laughs> airport. It's pretty wild that this came together. I know, right? Here to visit your children. Can we just check in with Sam and Ben? Like, why Missoula for you guys? What What was the, what was the, why University of Montana? Why this place? Uh, I came here originally for the business program. Okay. Uh, I really was kind of fond of business. I kind of liked how my dad did things and I found it interesting. So I came here for business for about two years and then I kind of took a little break because uh, I didn't know if it was quite for me. Sure. And then I found... Uh, I found coding, and I just kind of always kind of liked computers and stuff, and I just took a shot at it and really fell in love with it and just having a lot of fun with it. And and when we came, Ben and I did the campus tour, I would say 80 seconds after we got here, Ben was done. He was coming to Missoula. This was the place. This was it. There was what no What about question. it grabbed you? I don't know. It just it just felt right, and it was perfect. They really, I can't really explain it. It just felt, it just fit. Yeah. Missoula feels like home before you even really know it. It's oh, like, interesting. I don't know. I love Missoula. Like, I originally went to, um, uh, where did I go? Washington State. <laughs> I went to Washington State. Down in Pullman, for, yeah. Yeah, I was there for three years and transferred here my senior year after. Okay. I wow, come, that's a big deal to transfer yeah, for your last year. It was, that's a big real decision. Yeah. I had a year and a half left over at Wazoo, and I came to visit my brother and some friends at the end of my junior year, and I got back to Pullman, and I was like, yep. I'm leaving. Then it was just a super last, I think it was February, and sure. I enrolled and was here in August. And it was super quick, and I just fell in love with Missoula the second I got here. And so tell us what you're doing now. Well, right now, I am working as a freelance video editor for a couple companies around town, primarily with this one company called Inspired Classroom. Um, and they do an interactive distance learning with students um, across the world, which is really fun. And I do a lot of editing and videos for them on the cool. side that they incorporate into yeah. that. 
Um, and right now, um, yeah. And so I'm really enjoying that process and working with them right now. Fantastic. Yeah. And Ben, how much longer do you have at Code School? I have just over two weeks. Actually, no, just less than two weeks. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Almost, so are you in the done. job search process or I what's am, that? Yeah. What's looking, that looking like? Trying to find a job, hopefully anywhere at this point. Hire him. <laughs> Please and thank you. Well, um, the Code School has great track record placing its yes. graduates so far, so I'm sure you'll you'll fall into a good spot. We get a lot of people. I think we have three different uh, groups of people coming in next week to kind of just talk about their companies and just introduce us into their, their job world. And yeah. we get them usually once or twice a week as well. So we get a lot of people coming in just to talk to us. Fantastic. Well, good luck. Thank you. Well, guys, I'll let you get on with your evening. Uh, Rob, Sam, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That was a pleasure. Uh, my uh, my pleasure. And this, I mean, seriously, how fun was this with my kids totally. here? And then they got involved. Thank you. It was great. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rob as much as I did. It was super fun and uh, just really fortuitous how it came about so quickly. And we were able to jump on it. Speaking of that, you know, if you have uh, suggestions for guests and things like that, people coming through town. I mean, it's summer in Missoula. A lot of cool people are coming through town. And uh, just let us know. Shoot me a mail at uh, a new angle at umontana.edu. All right. Next week, we put together an episode about the Montana Code School, appropriate way to follow up this Rob Angel interview. Um, we talked to Paul Gladen, Kelly Nash, and a couple of students also, uh, recent graduates of the Code School, and see the cool things that this uh, this uh, relatively new educational institution is um, is doing here in the community, preparing students uh, for awesome jobs in and around uh, Missoula and throughout Montana. So stay tuned to next week. Thanks for listening to a new angle. We really appreciate it. Remember that a new angle was brought to you by CED Consolidated Electrical Distributors. They're one of the largest electrical wholesale companies in the country with nearly 600 locations nationwide. CED is a privately owned business-to-business company that distributes just about every piece of equipment to keep your lights on, your energy flowing, and your lifestyle comfortable. CED is also an important employer in Missoula, and they have a keen interest in University of Montana graduates. To explore career opportunities, check out www.cedcareers.com. Moving forward, if you have any suggestions for guests, cool people doing awesome things with creativity and hustle, please let us know. And if you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways you can support it. First, rate us on iTunes. Ratings help others find the show. Second, write a review. The more reviews we get, and hopefully positive ones, the more we can grow. And third, please just tell your friends about it. In addition, you can support A New Angle financially. For information on sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website, www.business.umt.edu slash a new angle. There you will also find a link to support the pod. Before we go, I'd like to thank a few people for making this project happen. First of all, Elizabeth Willey, Communications Director here at the University of Montana College of Business. I'd also like to thank recent UM graduate Michelle DeFluke and our fabulous interns Savannah Sletton and Max Gibson. And a special thanks to VTO for providing the show with music. Finally, thanks to my producer, Stefan Borson. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot and see you next time. Oh.